Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment, you're nailing it, and the next, you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Laura Froyan. Welcome back to our college prep series. I'm really excited to bring in um, my guests today. We're going to be talking about how we can help kids develop a growth mindset and really figure out who they are and their goals starting early on and even more so as they get closer and closer to college. And so for to help me with this conversation, I have Greg and Beth Langston, and they're going to help us out. So why don't you two introduce yourselves and tell me a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Okay, well, I'm Beth, and thank you for having us. By yeah. the way, we're excited to be here. And I have an education degree from Purdue University, go Boilers. We actually live in San Diego. We've been here, gosh, five years now. Our daughter lives here, actually. So we live here and we help students master. For 20 years, we've been working with preparing kids to go into college or into a career that they choose, maybe not in college, and just learning their gifts and strengths and everything. And this is Greg. Hi, I'm Greg Langston. I also live in San Diego, went to Purdue (laughs) University. That's where I met Beth. And uh, she was a cheerleader. I was a football player. And I studied international business. And once we graduated from there, we started traveling and we've moved 25 times. And (laughs) I've worked in 10 industries, run a billion dollar business with 9,000 employees. And throughout that process, I was exposed to a lot of coaching and training so that I could mentor hundreds of young professionals and high school students. And so that's how we got started in this process. And we have two kids of our own. Yeah, cool. And they are out of college? Yes, they're out of college. In fact, Mm -hmm. we even have some grandchildren. Beautiful. The best gig ever. Yeah. You know, sometimes I think to myself that like, oh, I really just want grandkids. You know, my kids are nine and six, but I'm like really excited for that grandma role. (laughs) Like I'm real looking forward to it. Being a mom, being a mom (laughs) is hard. I think uh, as a mom, we take it so seriously and we're not sure how it's going to all turn out. But as grandmas, we know it's going to be just fine and just love on those babies. <laughs> yeah, that's what my mom says. She says, too, that there's this, like, amplification. Like, the love is, like, almost multiplied because it's your child's child. Oof, I can't wait for that. Oh, it's <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, awesome. Well, okay, so tell me a little bit about, you know, when it comes to helping our kids know themselves and find their purpose. Where do you start with that? 
Hmm. You can start when they're very little. You know, even with our grandkids, it's when they get home from school, it's like, how did you use your strengths today? Speaking to what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, you know, how did you work on that today? Because they're old enough to be working on things. And how did you show your kindness today? And little things, giving language to their strengths and their, and what is your purpose today? What are you going to do? Present that to them. What are you going to do today at school that's going to make this a great day? Rather than just say, how was school today? Because they'll they'll just grunt or not. (laughs) (laughs) Fine boring yeah. you know yeah. get the one word answers absolutely and but i also great books out there too for those littles to bring out that part of them and then our forte is of course those uh the older kiddos a little bit older you know early high school some eighth graders too but that's when we really start they can go through these courses and use our tools you know use tools that are out there to help them learn their purpose and internships yeah. and things like that that they yeah can- they're great at. So uh, what I really like about those questions is that they are asking the child to check within themselves to in developing a practice of checking in and learning to listen to their inner voice. I think, you know, in the past, when I was growing up, we weren't asked to do that. We weren't asked to check in with ourselves. Right. We were more told what to do. Yeah, what was expected of us, what what was going to be right for us. We were told things like, you're really good at math, you should go do this, or you're really good at science, you should go do this, versus the kind of inviting curiosity and contemplation within. And yeah, even at reviewing their values, right, Greg? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, because when kids are early on, they adopt the values that their parents provide for them for the, you know, the family values in terms of integrity and other things Yeah, they are kind of transferred over to them. You can speak to your kids and have them determine what are their core beliefs and help them to begin to establish those at an early age, because those core values then help them determine decisions and how they make decisions for themselves when they're not with their parents. And that's something that we think is very important. That's huge. So what are like, what are some core values and beliefs that you see kids embodying these days, the teenagers that you work with? Integrity is one that comes up a lot. Excellence, uh, love, perseverance, uh, compassion. Mm -hmm. These are some of the values that come up. And so you say, okay, that's great. Now, why does that resonate with you? And if that's important to you, what are you going to start, stop and continue doing to make that very, very clear to you? And so that you can begin to pressure test that value so that when they're placed in a situation when they're not with their parent and or parents, rather, they can answer a question and make a decision based upon passing those three values. If it doesn't pass any one of those three values, then they know that they probably shouldn't stop. They shouldn't continue going forward with that decision and that can be taught at a young age. Yeah, I love that. I feel like that's really helpful for everybody. So, you know, this what it know. So if I articulate my values and then what does that mean for what am I going to stop doing, continue doing or start doing? I really love that check in. And that's really part of living into your values. Absolutely. And if we not only deal with values, but also a student's purpose and their objectives and their goals. And so for your audience, if they can visualize the cutaway of a large oak tree, Mm -hmm. envision that the root systems that go down, in some cases, root systems go down 400 feet, that that root system is equivalent to their core beliefs or their values. And that root system, the values hold up the tree. 
then the, the trunk of the tree is your why or your purpose. And it's important to help a student to determine what is their why, what, what is their purpose. It's something that's larger than themselves. And then the branches represent their objectives and their goals and the outcomes. And okay. so that vis visualization helps a person to understand that there is a continuum between down on the ground, the roots, because you're all going to be challenged. Kids are going to be challenged today. You know, look at what's going on in Facebook and yeah. went down yesterday and they have somebody speaking, you know, in the Capitol talking mm -hmm. about the challenges that exist with social media. So kids mm -hmm. are going to be confronted with challenges and how do they deal with those challenges and do they do and or act upon their values according to their, their values or do they even know what their values are? Mm -hmm. And it's extremely important to help them understand that. Yeah, I can see that it would be. I feel curious about this purpose piece. You know, I think that if someone had asked me what my purpose was when I was 15, 16, 17, 18, I would have had no clue how to answer that. Mm -hmm. How do you get kids to get beyond the, like, I don't know, or, you know, the kind of the surface level? Like, how do you help them figure that out? Well, the, the way you ask it is, you say, what are you? Well, I'm a freshman or a sophomore or whatever. That's, I'm a freshman. How do you do what you do? Well, I study and I get good grades or I don't. And I mm -hmm. do sports and I have a relationship with my, with my friends. That's what I do. The key question is, why do you do that? Mm -hmm. And, you know, what is it that drives you? What gets you up in the morning? And most kids have no clue. In fact, they did a study that 87% of people between the ages of 16 and 29 have no purpose or meaning. And so... And That's bleak. Want it. it is. It's so sad. And kids, you know, they want to know what they do well, where they belong, and how they can make a difference. And the how they can make a difference is what we need to be asking them more. Mm, okay. And so what the way we you ask the question, how do we do that? Uh, rather than as in our uh, parents, they would say, you're going to go do this, you're going to go do this. What we do is we come alongside the student and mm. we say... We want to find out what jazzes you, what's important for you in your life, and what are some accomplishments, regardless of the age, that you've had that you're really proud of, that really impacted you, and tell us some stories about that. And we begin to ask them a series of questions that uncover 10 different stories that influence them, either positively, mm -hmm. one a grandparent or a coach or a parent that positively impacted them or something that was rather traumatic that influenced them in a negative way that can also shape them for the future and then determine what was important about that and how did they contribute to that situation and how would they like to contribute going forward. And what they do is they craft their own purpose statement as a result of going through that process. That's beautiful. It sounds really organic. Is there a way for parents to go like, so you, I mean, the statistic that you just gave, you know, 29 year olds, like that's lots of my parents listening right now, you know, perhaps feel a little purposeless, a little adrift without direction. Are there exercises that grownups can be doing to, <laughs> to be finding our purpose too? Well, I mean, there are a lot of assessments you can do. I do think for we were never asked our purpose. Every time yeah. uh, we explore this with children and they learn their purpose and they tell their parents about it, the parents are like, oh gosh, can we do this too? Yeah, but, right? You know, <laughs> Sounds good. 
That's, you know, we found, we raised our kids overseas, and so by the time our son was 13, he had been to 12 different schools in five different countries, and we, you know, which was great. They learned foreign language and gained an appreciation for, you know, other cultures, but we felt that we were missing out on some of these tools to help them learn their purpose and their strengths, because Greg, as an international executive, he had... He was provided with hours of executive training, and so he was learning his strengths as a grown man. He was going mm-hmm. through all this, and he's thinking, why did I have to wait 20 years to yeah. learn all this stuff about myself, and why aren't we teaching this to our kids? Why mm-hmm. is this not in the school system? We, we don't know. So that's how yeah. we got started. We developed tools with his executive background, my education background. Yeah. We, developed our own tools to use on our own kids. They were our guinea pigs, right? (laughs) They survived. We didn't kill them. (laughs) Yeah, it must be an interesting thing to kind of do this alongside your kids. And it's probably quite powerful to model this, model figuring out your purpose, asking yourself these big questions, telling these stories that were formative for you. You know, there's a lot of research on family storytelling. And so I can imagine that if parents are interested in wanting to do this alongside their kids, that can be a hugely valuable thing. The research on families. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I was about to nerd out on research. (laughs) Like I won't. won't. (laughs) We love research. So please feel free. But we we were going to say that'll help them if you start talking about your purpose and what you've been through then they're going to start realizing, okay, maybe maybe I don't want to make those mistakes. Maybe I want to be more aware before I have to choose that career or go into college, whatever I'm going to do with my life. But just to get them thinking about it, that's the thing. I think we're just so busy with our days and just getting through the day and getting to mm-hmm. bedtime, putting them to bed, yeah. taking a breath and, and starting all over again, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Greg, I feel like you were going to say something just then. I'm just going to say that, you know, our role as parents is to give our kids self-esteem, a sense of, you know, a belonging, a sense of confidence, because when they're in school, even at a young age, how are they measured? They look at a page that comes back to them with red circles, which is everything that they did wrong. And so what you want to do is say, all right, this is something that you can learn from that if you have a fixed mindset, you just say, I'm stupid. And in years ago, there was just the fixed mindset. Now with Carol Dweck and the idea of a growth mindset, that is so important. And that's something that students and young kids today can learn about that, that it's just a question of, I haven't learned that yet. That's my favorite word in the English language. Yeah, yet. I haven't learned it yet. Mm -hmm. And so with the information and everybody says that social media is bad. And you know what? A lot of it is very bad. But with what is available on the, on the net in terms of what you can get from YouTube and so forth, you can really discover a tremendous amount of stuff, whether it's the parents or the students, mm-hmm. that is very productive to help you be empowered, to help you have a self-esteem and not be as critical about yourself. Because with social media, and here's the negative side, there is the view, and I know a lot of the kids that uh, your families that are on have don't have cell phones yet, but then there are some that do, mm-hmm. and they're being measured against perfection, and that is not a good story, because you know perfection is a is a mental construct. You're never going to achieve it. Uh, it's always going to be outside of your grasp, and all this curated information that a few influencers have is very destructive for young people, and so that's why we encourage them not to perfection, but what their progress is from the day before. 
and perfectionistic tendencies can be seen at an early age with these littles. I remember our daughter, when she was learning to write letter, you know, yeah. the alphabet, and she'd write one and it wasn't perfect, so she'd tear the page off. And so I noticed this after a while, and I'm like, you know what, honey? It doesn't have to be perfect. Look, she does have beautiful handwriting to this day, <laughs> much better than mine. But <laughs> but just say, letting them know, it doesn't have to be perfect. Just try your best, you know? I Applaud your effort. That's what we need to be telling them. Your effort is wonderful. Not that you won or, you know, got an A on your test, but man, your effort. I really admire your effort. Yeah. Like some of the questions I ask my kids most days after school are things like, you know, what did you do well today or that you're proud of today? What was one thing, you know, one mistake you made today and what did you learn from it? And then I always ask, how were you kind to yourself today? Because I think self-compassion is a skill that is critical that we are building even more so, I think, than self-esteem, that being able to be compassionate with ourselves is a, a a lifelong skill you need for resilience. And someone in my community told me that she does the, that same thing with her kids, but they call it uh, a rose, a bud, and a thorn. So what the rose is the good thing, the bud is the thing they're working on, and the thorn is the kind of the bad thing that happened. I, I think that that was a really cute way to... I don't know, start having really those conversations. Yeah, I like that one. But yeah, you know, the perfectionism, I think is, it, it is interesting how it turn, can start showing up so early. And mo I feel like most of the parents I interact with identify as perfectionists and they identify how harmful that's been for them. And then they see it coming out in their kids and there's this little bit of a freak out moment <laughs> of like, oh God, what have I done? You know, I've created another little perfectionist. And we don't want that for our kids. So I, I really appreciate that inv invitation to focus on yet and on the effort. And also to know that there is this piece that, especially for kids, right, when they're learning how to write, you know, the, the five to six range, many of them very look like perfectionists. And the simple reality is, is that they just don't have the fine motor skills to create the vision that's in their heads and that that will come with time too, you know. Oh, but yeah. Oh, it's so important that growth, like the being growth minded. Are there other things along the way as kids get older that we can be doing to encourage that perspective? Gosh, just giving them opportunities to experience what the things they think they're interested in or where they think their strengths are and to see, oh, is this really what I think I want to do as they get to those ages where, oh, I think... I want to go into medicine. This is our son. His whole life, he <laughs> wanted to go into medicine. And then when he got into high school, he had a great opportunity to intern, well, to ride along, to shadow yeah. uh, a, a neurosurgeon and a cardiovascular surgeon. And he went right into the operating room and, you know, for a couple of weeks with each one, when he was finished, he's like, that is not at all what I want to do. Yeah. I, I am glad I found it out early, he said because he would have spent all those years in med school, all that money on tuition, and then had a job that he really didn't like after doing all that studying, and you feel you have to be stay in it. Anyway, he went into the world of finance, so go figure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a great story. So lots of opportunities to explore and try things out. I love that. Okay, so now, a lot of the parents that are listening right now are working actively to not project 
onto their kids or project their own goals and desires and definitions of success onto their kids lots of the time because that's what was done to us and we don't want to do what was done to us. And so I was curious if you had any like words of wisdom for those parents who are trying hard to like let go, but are finding it difficult. Um, I'm thinking about parents who are trying, you know, wanting to get their kids into, you know, insisting that they take a few different activities um, and be very invested in high achieving in them or, you know, wanting them to be better at math than they are. So they'd sign them up for math, you know, extra math things. I guess hmm, I feel like I'm not asking this question very well, but I'm curious if you have words of wisdom or support for parents who are who are trying to figure out how to walk that line of supporting our kids and not having undue influence or overpowering what is the child's actual true desire. Yes. I want to tell you that there is hope. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> you know, we've, we've all walked down this path and there is hope because as they get a little older, they're going to start weeding out the things that they don't want to do. I, I remember uh, with our daughter when, when she was little, she, our daughter's six one, so she was always <laughs> the tallest little one in the class. And so we thought, oh, we, we were in the States for about a year uh, from our overseas adventures. <laughs> and I, I said, well, let's, let's try ballet class and tap. So she went in, she did it. She did the recital. And she, when we got home, she gave me her tap shoes and she says, I don't want to do this anymore. So, okay. I honored that. Okay. You honored it and you listened to her. I yeah. Her, and we were on to the next thing, which is great. And when they're little, we can weed those things out. I know piano lessons is another thing a lot of parents struggle mm-hmm. with because kids just don't like, most kids don't like piano lessons. That's one thing I feel we should have stuck with a little longer because <laughs> later our daughter taught herself how to play the piano, but you know, there are so many gifts our kids have and figuring them out. You're going to say something. Yeah, I, I was going to say, because we're dealing with, with families around the world because it's now, <laughs> we used to do it in, on workshops, but now it's all online, the programs that we provide. Yeah. And so what what you find is that certain cultures mm-hmm. where they're a very strong patriarchy or a matriarchy where the father or the mother says, listen, we're all lawyers in this family. So, you know, you know Emma and you know, Miles are both going to be lawyers and that's all, that, that's the only choice you have. Yeah. Emma or Miles would really not be very good lawyers. And so we encourage parents to help your students to find the self-discovery wherever you find it uh, in terms of what are their strengths? What are their interests? What are their skills? What, uh, what do they excel at in, in a group environment? You know, what do they do well? What do they kind of shy away from? And try to see what that is and help them gain strength and confidence in those different areas. And that doesn't have to start when you're in your high school years. You can start doing that mm-hmm. at an earlier age. And the other thing, too, is I would not overschedule because that's something that happens with too many kids. They just Everybody's running around with their hair on fire and they're in 17 different activities when as they go through the self-discovery process, they're going to say, you know what? I'm doing this because you're asking me to, but I'm not really interested in it. And it's not really going to be what I'm passionate about in the future. So you can empower students to deselect certain things because Mm -hmm. when they find out what they're really interested in, they have the ability to deselect, which sometimes is more important, certain activities so that they can focus on what they're most interested in. Oh, I love that you're empowering kids to to do this. Do you ever run into parents who push back on that 
and like when you're you're working with the kids and they're deselecting things do you do you run how do you help help those parents who are really like stuck in i not releasing their agenda for their kids and accepting their kids <laughs> do you know what i'm saying oh yes <laughs> i'm, I'm and, sure you do you know, right it and it happens a lot and it's hard to know as a parent because you've been in charge of this kid their whole lives you know mm -hmm. and, and and care of their well-being and you know their safety and everything and so it is hard to let go but what we found is as kids discover wonderful things about themselves and how to address these things and how to use them and how to apply them they go through this great transformation that the parents are always amazed to see because mm. the kids have a lot more clarity in knowing their values and their strengths and their weaknesses and of course their purpose and their career aspirations and then they have this a better confidence because they clearly understand who they are and they can articulate that and and know both what, verbally and in writing yes verbally and in writing mm -hmm. in interview situations or whatever they may need that for in their essays for college applications and things like that and then the kids have this sense of control over their futures because they'll have actionable plans and goals and something that they're really jazzed about pursuing as a career. So the parents do, in this transformation of their child, they are actually very pleased and they wish, they're all raising their hand, could we do this too, please? Mm -hmm. And why, you know, so glad that their kids are able to discover things about themselves at an earlier age. Yeah. So do you think that there is a benefit then to be starting this earlier with our kids? Because I'm imagining that if we are practicing now when the stakes are low of letting go of our agenda, really trusting our child to know what's right for them, if we're practicing this when it comes to a birthday party that they don't want to go to or swimming lessons that they're not ready to put their face in the water yet. Like if we're practicing this when the stakes are pretty low, it might be quite a lot easier when it comes to, you know, letting go on their college choice or their choice not to go to college. Am I getting that right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And the earlier you begin to help your student strengthen certain muscles and realize that, you know, I don't really want to swim, even though mom and dad, you were both <laughs> Olympic swimmers, you know, uh, I suck <laughs> at swimming, you know, but you know what, I'm a fantastic fencer. I'm a fantastic soccer player. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, honor that, as Beth said, I honored her desire not to be a gymnastics, which being six one, you really can't be a good gymnast. When she was uh, in college, <laughs> she and her, all of her teammates were all volleyball, all volleyball players up to <laughs> six five. And so when they'd be these very tall girls walking around an airport, people would say, what are you girls doing? And they say, oh, we're all gymnasts. And they'd look at her like, hey, <laughs> They'd have high heels on. They'd be like six, seven. They're like, how can you be gymnast? But the fact is you can help your student have a growth mindset. You can help them to establish smart goals, understand what a specific measurable, you know, all those attributes of a smart goal. You can begin to teach your children those inf that information at an, early, at an early age. You don't yeah. have to wait until, you know, they're in high school. And also allowing them to make mistakes and mm -hmm. fail while they're still under your tutelage and help them through those things. Those won't be major things, hopefully, but at least they can learn how to handle it while they're still there with you and you can still guide them through that, right? And yeah. they learn from that mistake and 
what would you have done differently to get a better outcome? And what did you learn about yourself through this? And how did it affect other people? All these things that we can be exploring with them. And write it down and have them say, so now if you're faced with that situation, like you forgot your homework or you forgot to take something, how did you feel? How did it make other people feel? What was the impact? Now, if you are dealing with that in a, in a similar vein in a week down the road, what would you do differently? And the kids are going to go, well, I would always put my homework in the same place every day. I'd always put my backpack in the same place every day. I wouldn't be leaving it in you know 16 different places and I'd leave my keys. That's a big one. I'd leave my keys in exactly the same location each and every day. <laughs> and I'd write down what my task to do is... Uh, in the same location or text it to myself, whatever the mm -hmm. case may be. You can teach these things at an early age. You don't have to wait till they're in high school. Yeah. And what I love about that approach, Greg and Beth, that you're saying right now is that this is teaching kids that when we have a problem, my parent is going to come to me and say, I told you so, or you need to figure that out on your like on your own, because that's your problem. You we're like letting our kids know like, hey, you've got a team here. Your parents have your back. They're here to help you and support you. They're going to help you figure this out, which is a lo much lovelier way to, you know, to, to go through life, knowing that you've got people who are on your side. Yeah, that's the home is a safe place. Yeah, it should be a safe place, right? Yes. And, uh, yeah, you're here to help them get through it. And yes, you, you're going to you're going to blow it at times. That's okay. We've all blown it at times. <laughs> of course. We also encourage parents to establish an accountability partner for your student. And in many cases, parents will think, well, that accountability partner will be their best friend. But actually, the students are wise enough to say, you know what? I need to pick somebody who is, <laughs> I trust has the best interest for me. It'll be a parent, a relative, a coach, a mentor. Oh. And it's interesting to know that when you write down that, you know, I'm going to lose five pounds or I'm going to get better grades, the probability of success is single digit. If you tell people uh, as a young person or an older person, you know, I'm going to do the same thing, the probability of success is 65%. But if you have an accountability partner who works with you, you will have a probability of success of 95%. So that's one of the things that we encourage every single student who works with us to pick an accountability partner as they go through the process to make sure that they complete that. Yeah, that's cool. Thank you so much for that. Okay, so any parting wisdom for our families? Where can they, you know, and any last little things that you really want them to know? And then, of course, where can they find you to learn more about your services? A couple things that I'd say is that I know that some of you, your kids are not in high school bound just yet, and some of them will be. And just to understand that the self-discovery is so important because of the 87% that I said about earlier. Mm -hmm. but today, the statistics are that only 40% of college kids actually graduate in four years. 60% mm. are graduating in six years. And that's the reason is because 60% of them are changing majors at least three times because they don't know what is, what is right for them. They're not doing the self-discovery. So I encourage all you parents that this will turn into dollars and cents in the future for your <laughs> kids or for yourself, that it'll be an extra 100000 to $160,000 if they take an extra two years to figure out what they're going to do. Whew. And so it's extremely important that they pick the right thing, that you start the self-discovery at an early age, because add to that that currently undergrad students that graduate, that only 27% of them are doing 
a job that's exactly directed to their to their undergrad work to their degree degree, degree and right yeah. now in the united states 70 percent of the people are not happy with their jobs so that's why we're very passionate about helping young mm-hmm. people determine what they're what they're good at and being able to articulate that and make the right decisions so that they can go into college or have an alternate route to be a pipe fitter or a welder earn a great living be passionate earn a living fly out of the home, not come back into the basement, uh, which, you know, some kids do that. And I know parents don't want that to happen. And uh, although some parents do, we have had parents who say, I don't want my student to go away, um, (laughs) which is limiting. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, those are some of the things that I would say. And I want to leave you with one thing that I think every parent can teach their kids, which is what I call the high potential essentials. And uh, those are, number one, help your student find out what their values are and live by them. Uh, Do what you say you will do. Finish what you start. Arrive on time. Say please, thank you, and you're welcome, and be willing to apologize when you're wrong. Mm. If you can teach your kids those six things, they will be tremendously successful. As far as how they can reach us, Beth at collegeflightplan.com. Our our website is collegeflightplan.com or greg at collegeflightplan.com. And for your audience, we put together a document called the Parent Starter Kit to Teen Self-Discovery, which has information. It's 33 pages long, has a bunch of statistics, some of which I've cited today, some key early actions that parents can take to help the students, uh, key assessments that are free that help students to figure out what they're interested in or potentially what kind of career that they would want Mm -hmm. to pursue. And it also identifies how much money you'll make when you do that, because you can say, oh, I'm really interested in that, but uh, you'll starve. And, you know, also some information on where you can get scholarship uh, information as well. So you can get that at collegeflightplan.com slash guide. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Greg and Beth. It was really awesome to connect with you. I so appreciate all that you're doing for families and, and kiddos as they as they figure this their future out. It's a big thing. It's really important work. Well, thanks. Thanks for letting us share it on your show. We appreciate you. Absolutely. Okay, so thanks for listening today. Um, Remember to subscribe to the podcast. And if it was helpful, leave me a review. That really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out. Um, and definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, that's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. All right. That's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly of yourself. And just remember balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this.